Hey, greetings, sports fans, Catholic radio listeners, Steve Ferguson, along with our co-host, Brad Moore, and we're uh, coming to you from the campus of uh, Sterling Computers, and this is Two Guys in a, in a Conversation. Uh, I'm in solo in the studio here in the campus, Brad, and uh, Brad's traveling and, uh, and away from the office right now, but we got him to call in and We'll be able to talk, do our sports talk here, uh, which we love to do once a week. So yeah, glad you joined us, Brad. I don't want to rub it in, but uh, I heard that there's four to six inches of snow back <laughs> home, and I'm I'm sitting outdoors in Phoenix, Arizona, and it's uh, 75 degrees right so, now. So, Brad, I was not going to ask you where you're at, but now that you did it, I am very, very <laughs> jealous. So, yeah. So, anyway, uh, let's catch up a little bit on on some of our topics since we haven't chatted for a week. Let's start with a little, a uh, uh, couple of local sports uh, items Caitlin Stanley, a senior at Healing, Bishop Healing Girls, went over 1,000 points. And, and Brad, you've coached, and you've coached some great ones. They have two girls in that class with Ellis Skinner and Caitlin Stanley. They're both 1,000-point scorers. That's a that's rare air right there. So we had uh, Carly Tritz and Michelle Lund, both 1,000-point scorers in their careers. Yeah, I don't know if you've had any other duo that has played together that has uh, scored a thousand points in Healing history. I, I don't know the whole history. Not from the same class. That's I, certainly extremely rare. Very extremely rare. And I can't think of that in the, on the boys side of things either. I mean, there were some, some great teams back in the day with uh, um, uh, Graves and Hatchet and, and, and the Betts and, and Rosenquist, all those guys. But I don't know if any of those guys were ever a uh, thousand point scorers or not. Uh, and uh, I don't know if they're in the same class, but uh, that is a rare, rare thing. And it's a testament to the, to the talent and uh, just, you know, sticking with it and how good a program they've got. So they're marching along in the tournament. And uh, hopefully next week we'll be talking about what they'll be doing at the state tournament, uh, if they can get through this, uh, this weekend um, and, uh, uh, you know, try to get down there and try to go for that gold. We've talked a lot about them, and so it'll be interesting. But they really – put the wood on Sheldon the other night uh, and Caitlin got her a thousand points. So congratulations to her. Hey, Dakota Valley yeah, boys state championship. Yeah. State championship would be a fitting end for two great yeah. career players like that. Yeah. So yeah. Let's hope that they can bring it home. Well, they're they're the, 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 the three, the three seniors that we've talked about a little bit along with, you know, some of the sporting crew, but uh, ASOFT also the, the Iowa track recruit, uh, Skinner, Asoff, and Stanley have been really uh, playing at a high level in the last uh, week or so, and uh, they're going to need to be consistent for them to, to do that. And and uh, but you know they're ready; they're seniors and they're ready, so it's their time. Hey, Dakota Valley boys, Brad, I wanted to throw this out at you. Uh, they beat West the other night. Good win, you know, Dakota Valley. But nineteen and three, uh, Dakota Valley is nineteen and three under uh, you know Coach Kleiss over there. The Bruns brothers, uh, 24 points apiece. Uh, freshman Isaac had 24, and brother Paul, who's a junior, had 24. Man, those guys can light it up over there. It's uh, and and I heard that Paul just uh, got an offer from North North Dakota. North Dakota. Okay, that's outstanding. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, that's I wondered at what level. I'd, I'd heard different different uh, discussions. Um, I'd heard that Augustana had some interest, but man, to jump up to that level. But you know what? Uh, the guy is so consistent. He just puts numbers up, and uh, and he's only a junior. He's going to probably go over two thousand points, Brad. Uh, it's it's, right. it's crazy. Right. So and 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 think think how good the younger brother is going to be by the time well, he's a junior and senior. That's the rumor. The rumor is that he's really special. But twenty four points as a freshman against West, you know, say no more. So, but yeah, it's that time of year. I know East boys uh, have had a good year uh, as well, and they're, they're going to be waiting their first matchup, I believe. 
Uh, they'll be taking on Ames, um, who plays, I think, north in the first round, and they should be able to take care of business. So that'll be a pretty good matchup for, for East. And we'll see if they can can make a run and, and get down to, to the state tournament again. They, um, you know, they, they have a very solid team, a very solid program. And, and you know, I've been thinking a lot about the, the teams and, and the consistencies over the years. And the one thing about East, Brad, this is what I have noticed out of East. They get more out of their players um, uh, from an individual standpoint, I think, than maybe any other program that I've witnessed. And, uh, you know, I just think it, maybe it's the system. Maybe that's the confidence that the, the, the coaches put in their players. But there are a lot of these guys that they're just outstanding high school players. They never really translate that often to the next level. Now, there's been obvious exceptions, Ben Jacobson, Woodbury, uh, you know, a, a few others. But a lot of those guys, they just absolutely uh, max out uh, how they play in high school. And I think that's pretty impressive. Well, you've had a pretty consistent family of coaches there for a long time. I, I think it's a testament to their program and their mm-hmm. player development. They're mm-hmm. good from um, down in the grade school level through junior high all the way up. So uh, that's that's just a, a very good system that they've got with uh, coaches that have been around for a while, and, and it shows. Yeah, it was a funny, kind of a funny story. I I talked to Pat Schultz, or, or, or you know, who does some radio and TV stuff, but Pat's an Estherville uh, high school guy, and and I'm a Spirit Lake guy, Old Lakes Conference, Brad. And we, we, there used to be a high school program at Emmitsburg that was perennial uh, football playoff, championship level. And they had a, a very strong coach um, in uh, Twait, Dwayne Twait, legendary. And they ran a system there. And they'd have guys that uh, you'd play against in high school. And then when you got to know them in college, you'd go, if I would have known you were that slow or not that good in high school, we would have killed you. But this guy's like a 1,500-yard all-state tailback. And then college, he holds for extra points in our college football team. And, I mean, but, you know, it, they just had that mentality, that mindset, you know. And, and, and you've talked about it so much, momentum, confidence. And it's it really, really important, I think, in the, in the high school level especially. Um, and, and it really shows, I think, at East High uh, when those kids are out there. From my perspective as a, as a fan and uh, someone who loves watching basketball. Yeah, when you've got a system that's been in place for a while and you've got a program where those uh, upperclassmen, you know, they've been in the program for a while, they're tough as nails, mm-hmm. they're good under pressure, they have big crowds over there, they're, they were great healing uh, East games, you know, it just develops a unique upperclassman. And then those mm-hmm. upperclassmen, you know, they're challenged by the younger classmen that come in and, and those younger classmen have to up right. their game if they want to see the court. Right. And so I think it just developed special through the program. It developed special high school players. Yeah. I've always just, I've always loved and appreciated how the, the Vanderloo family and, and, and their core of coaches, they have a huge staff and they're all great guys over there. Um, they, how they just do a phenomenal job with their players, how their, their players play with confidence and they play tough and, and, and from a tough standpoint, they're mentally tough. And, and they talk a lot about 4A basketball. And they know that they have to have that mentality if they're going to have any chance whatsoever to get down to Des Moines and compete with the eastern side of the state. So they bring that mentality, um, and it shows, and it's, it's fun to watch. And I hope they can really make a, a strong run this year and, and, and make some noise down there. 
Yeah, me too. Well, listen, Brad, that's a good little start to the show. Um, you know, I'm going to cut you off so you can probably go get a drink of water or lemonade or put some sunscreen on here. But uh, uh, we'll be back uh, in a little bit uh, after the break here on Two Guys and a Conversation. Hey, welcome back to everybody to Two Guys in a Conversation. Steve Ferguson, along with our co-host Brad Moore, who happens to be in setting in sunny Phoenix right now. And uh, we're, we're glad that Brad could join us and take some time out of his busy schedule to, to, uh, to call in and, and uh, share some thoughts on our uh, sports topics that we uh, like to review. Uh, this is the section of our show that we like to call Brad and Steve's Room of Knowledge, where we just uh, kind of throw it all out, sitting on the couch, talking sports. And I'd like to start with a little Big Ten hoops, uh, Brad. You know, that's near and dear to us. And obviously, I was having a pretty amazing season. Nebraska, not so much this year, because we know they're in transition with, with, with Coach Hoiberg. But man, Iowa's resiliency the other night at Minnesota, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure you didn't watch the game. But I believe Iowa scored the last 11 points up at Minnesota to pull that off and, and, and playing with a shorthanded team, Brad. Yeah, so you talk about parity. Uh, Big 10 right now, you have Maryland in first, 12-3, and three, Penn State second, 10-5. and five. And then you've got a five-way tie Launch, yeah. for third, right. uh, Hawkeyes and four others at 9-6. and six. And you go all the way down towards the bottom of the Big 10 to the uh, – third from the last Minnesota Gophers are only six and eight, not far off uh, no. from the nine and six group. So you've got about uh, 12, 10, 12 teams there. There's a ton of parity in the big 10 right now. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. Each game, when you watch it, it's, it's fun. Um, the other night, last night, I happened to watch Illinois and Penn state and it was on FS one and they mic'd up the coaches and it was fabulous because you could listen. They had the, the mics on the coaches in every huddle. And it was it was so cool to watch Underwood and uh, I can't think of the Penn State's coach right now, but I really like him a lot. But you know his guys were you know they're getting beat. Illinois is ahead of them by five, and it's getting to be crunch time. And he's doing everything he can to motivate them, the crowd. And he's like, you know, this is the Big Ten. You you can be tired in May. This is the conference we want to play in. This is Big Ten basketball, and it was really, really cool. And and how they handled each situation. Illinois got up, and uh, Coach Underwood was a, a lot more relaxed in the huddle. He's kind of smiling with his guys and and talking to them. And what are you seeing out there? This is what we're going to have to do. You got to jump this. Um, I had loved it, and I, I I think they should do that more often. Yeah, so Penn State, they are not too far removed from not being a very good program. Yeah. And so that coach, he's turned it around, and in the last three years, they've gone from losing records to number nine in the country. Yeah, pretty amazing. And, uh, you know, someone asked me today, they go, well, geez, what do you think I was going to project at in the in the NCAA tournament? A four seed? If I, I said, hey, wait a second, they have five more games in the Big Ten. They could lose all five. I mean, yeah, you, it's, they, they could win all five. Yeah, but it's that crazy. And uh, but I think what's really, really impressive to me as an Iowa Hawkeye fan, and uh, I've shared this with some of my other close friends that are Hawk fans and maybe of you, too. I've enjoyed watching them. I wa love watching them play. You know why? Because they compete. They do a lot of interesting stuff. They've got a little bit of, you know, they, they carry themselves like they have to carry themselves in the Big Ten. They don't back down. I think Connor McCafferty is an incredible 
uh, piece to the uh, the puzzle there. He's leading the nation, by the way, Brad, in assist-to-turnover ratio. Wow. Yeah. Well, well, losing Bohannon hurt, but yeah. they've picked up the slack. I think they've got all the pieces right now to be a very dangerous team. They've got the uh, the big guy in Garza. They've got uh, you know McCaffrey, who you mentioned, who, who's really good defender, good yeah. enough ball handler. Yeah. And then uh, Weisskamp, Weisskamp. Yep. You know he's my favorite. You know he can take it to the rim. He can shoot the three. So they've got all the pieces to be a dangerous team. I think in March they'll probably contend for that uh, Big Ten uh, tournament, and then they'll go on to the NCAA. I, I think you're accurate. I think four or five is is, is probably about right if for they them. Can, and, yeah. You know, maybe they go on a little little run and get up to three. Yeah, if they can hold serve and, and, and maybe win three out of the next five, they would definitely be in the in the running for that. You know, the thing that happened at, at, at Minnesota that was so critical for the Hawks is they had some bench guys step up. Uh, Bakari Evelyn, who is the transfer, has hit a big three and two huge free throws. And of course, he's a he's a fifth year type guy. Cordell Pemsel came in, gave him six points. They've they've lost the shooting guard Frederick. He's out with an ankle injury, so all of a sudden their scoring is very limited. Wieskamp and Garza, and then Frederick were their three main people. So other folks have had to kind of step up. Ryan Creener uh, started uh, the six ten kid from Spirit Lake. Gave him six points. Uh, maybe I think he ended up with ten points, but but six early points, and so everybody's kind of stepped up their role. So it's going to be very fun to see if they can maintain uh, losing that uh, Frederick, who is who by the way was leading the Big Ten in, in three point shooting percentage. So yeah. So who do they have to finish up with? They've got well, Ohio we, State. Be a big game. Ohio State. Up. Penn uh, State yet? So they, got, they go Ohio State, Michigan State, Penn State, Purdue, Illinois. Yeah. Uh, so some really key ones there with Ohio State and Penn State. Yeah, the the three at home are uh, Ohio State, Penn State, Purdue. They, they've they've got to hold serve on those. Then the question is, can you get lucky and 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 win one at uh, you know highly doubtful up at East Lansing? And uh, but they've done pretty well against Illinois over at Illinois in the years. So it'll be interesting. It'll be a lot of fun. But man, the Big Ten has been has been crazy this year. And look at Nebraska going out to Maryland. I think it was last week. Um, yeah. and had a chance to to tie or possibly even win the game, um, and that's what you can never you can never take a night off in the Big Ten. Yeah, so you've got Nebraska, one of the worst programs in the Big Ten right now, worst teams in the Big Ten, takes Maryland at Maryland down to the last shot. They had had a, a layup attempt at the end, it got swatted away, but a layup attempt at the end mm-hmm. for the win against number seven Maryland. That's yeah. that's your bottom team in the big 10 yeah. so you cannot take a night off no and that was at maryland that wasn't like at nebraska yes. that was at maryland so who do you who do at you maryland. like who do you like uh across the board ncaa wise we haven't chatted much about it i'm going to tell you real quick my thoughts i like kansas right now i'll tell you why i like how they're playing defense i think they're playing as good as anybody in the country yeah i'm not going to argue with you kansas is good Baylor's obviously good mm-hmm. um you know, I, I always love the, the big name programs around tournament time. I, I like the Dukes. Mm-hmm. Um, they're sitting at number six right now. Um, and, and then I'm going to be pulling hard for Big Ten teams, and uh, Creighton's going to sneak in. Creighton's, Creighton's be having in the a great NCAA year. Tournament. Yes. Yeah, Creighton's having a great year. The Big East is tough. So, uh, but yeah, I'm with you. I, li- I think Kansas, and uh, I always like Duke come tournament time. You know, somebody made a, a announcer made a really good point, though. He, he said, looking across the, the landscape of, of college basketball, 
He said, it's changed. You have the blue bloods that have the one and done kids, you know, the Kentuckys, the Dukes, the North Carolinas, some of the elite programs. Um, and then you have the other element of one and dones, which are the grad transfers. The kids that are playing yeah. that fifth year, like at Texas Tech last year, they had two of them. San Diego State is an example of that right now. And they're undefeated, fourth or fifth in the country. And yeah, a very, fourth. yeah, an older team. And I like older teams, Brad. Yeah, for sure. You know, here's what gives me hope with Nebraska. You've got Dayton at number five. You've got uh, Seton Hall, Marquette, Butler, mm-hmm. you know, some smaller schools, not, not traditional. You know, they've got good programs, but yeah. they're not traditional powerhouses. So let's hope that Hoiberg can turn it around. Oh, there's, it's not going to be a question. It's just a matter of how quickly will he turn it around. Uh, he is too good a coach, when, and I loved him when he was at Iowa State. And uh, he'll do it at Nebraska. And it's just going to take him time to get all of his networking going again and understand uh, what kind of players that he wants. And, and he'll get it done. There, there's no doubt about it. They're going to be uh, they'll be a rising team next year. Uh, it'll be fun to see how quickly they move up the, up, up the, the, the pipe in the Big Ten, uh, uh, Ten, Ten rankings. Well, shoot. Um, we're going to have a lot to talk about on college basketball coming up in our shows, Brad. That's for sure. But um, let's... Uh, Let's uh, take a little break here, and uh, and we'll come back and uh, talk a little golf, and uh, and maybe a little bit on this controversy of the Astros here. So we'll catch everybody uh, uh, coming up after the break on two guys in a conversation. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to two guys in a conversation. Steve Ferguson, along with our co-host Brad Moore, and I'm solo in the studios at Sterling Computer here and on the campus of North Sioux City. I want to thank Brad and his team out here at Sterling for setting up our show again for us this evening. And uh, Brad's been piping in from uh, down south in some warm weather, and uh, we sure have been enjoying having him join us for some some conversation. We want to talk a little bit. Um, about one of the hot topics going on right now in sports, and it's the it's the scandal around the Houston Astros uh, and their uh, championship year, in which they actually had a system where they were using cameras to steal signs from pitchers, and then alerting their batters to the pitch that was coming um, up. And so that's obviously in the world of Major League Baseball, a significant advantage to the batter if they know that, what the pitch is. Yeah, that's a serious foul. That, that's a serious foul. That gives them so much in, of an advantage. Yeah. You know, what we're talking about is cheating. Right. It's cheating. And then, then so the, the decision is, is, you know, what is the punishment for cheating? Well, here's the thing. So you have a, a, an organization that has been, that's, it has a championship banner. But, it's, but then it's, they, they cheated to get there. I think... I think Major League Baseball, if I were the commissioner, I would just say, listen, we're going to, there would be no champion that year. We're going to strip it from the Astros. No champion. And, and, and that's the only way to me that makes sense. Now, the question yes. is, do you offer additional punishment for the players that were um, involved in that as well? Maybe you do. Maybe you suspend them for uh, half a season. Um, I, I think there has to be a strong message sent, and it has to come from the top. The owners being a goofball, 
Um, I don't know if you've watched his comments and his whole approach, but it's he needs to totally take a different different uh, uh, lane in this thing because he's in the wrong. And a lot of other athletes are really fired up about it, Brad. Yeah, so I think that you strip them of the championship and there's got to be some severe financial penalties mm-hmm. for anyone that was involved and for the owner of the team. You, you've got to make it severe enough that uh, in the future, no one's going to think about doing it again. It's just, uh, it's so impure because one of the, one of the great, great things um, is the, is the, is the cat mouse, if you will, between pitcher and batter. What's he going to pitch? What's he going to throw me? How could I get him off guard? How do I get him off balance? You know, it's vice versa back and forth. That's the fun part about it. And, and these great players that are batters have the ability to adapt to a pitch that's, you know, something different than what they think. But if you knew what was coming, man, you're geared up. And uh, it's just, it just yeah. so crazy to think that, 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 that anybody thinks that that was okay. Well, let me give you an analogy. If the defense knew what play the offense was running, oh, yeah. would that be an advantage? Yeah, yeah, no because kidding. Because that, that's, that's the same thing as I think getting signals on the pitches. Yeah, I hear you. Well, you know, there was a little controversy too, Brad, in the, in the golfing world um, with uh, Patrick Reed um, earlier in the season. And um, I think there was a lot of people that kind of called him out a little bit. I watched the stuff. And of course, I'm not a, I don't know golf rules inside and out. I probably do that every time I get in the sand trap, you know, and, and obviously it's a, it's a stroke penalty or something like that. But, but in a, in a competition and, and perhaps knowing that, um, but, but again, I think uh, golf, golf is such a gentleman's game and it's such an honors game that anybody that deviates at all from that really gets ostracized, I think, from the, and they should be, from the players yes. and the fans. And, and so you're playing for a million, a million plus yeah. week in and week out, and, and the difference between first and second is a stroke often. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it's a playoff. And when you've got a player who's moving sand from behind their ball illegally in the sand trap, Mm -hmm. I mean, that has an impact as to how the ball is going to come out of the sand. And is it going to come out of the sand three feet away or 15 feet away? And that's the problem is that the stakes are so high and and the margin of victory is so thin that, uh, you you know, he could potentially be stealing – several hundred thousand dollars from the uh, runner up. Yeah, that's that that's true. And in the purity of of it from that standpoint, absolutely 100%. But I think it's just the the pure ethics of the game that disturb, you know, the, the fun thing about, you know, you think of the Davis Love and and the Matt Kuchers and and all these people, you know, that uh that play golf. I mean, they're they're so principled by the game they, they 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 love the game they love what it stands for they love all the intricacies and the weird little rules um, I've never been a competitive golfer so I've never gotten into it but I deeply appreciate how much that is important to them and even Tiger you know Tiger's the same way um, just so yeah pure to the game um, he's not going to do anything other than let his pure talent try to uh, justify him beating you and speaking of Tiger, right? Brad, and, and what kind of uh, change do we have in our culture when Jack Nicklaus and Tom Watson and that era of players were constantly calling themselves and assessing a penalty against themselves yeah. for minor infractions, yeah. rather than 
you, you know, to do something that, that was wrong. And right. then you've got players today that it sounds like that this is a wide, widespread problem, that, yeah. that there are more than Patrick Reed. There, uh, one of the announcers on TV came out and said he's, he's seen Patrick Reed move his ball or improve his life several times. So it yeah. sounds like, you know, there might be um, kind of a widespread uh, PGA Tour problem here. Yeah. You know, speaking of of Tiger, that's interesting too. What do you uh, what do you think he's going to do? Do you think he's going to get it ramped up for the uh, a Masters run again? Yeah, no doubt. He's going to be in contention at the Masters. Mm-hmm. I, you know, Tiger loves that course. Uh, he always rises for the Masters. I think he's in pretty good physical shape for once. So I I think that he'll make a a strong run to repeat. Yeah, it's gonna. I, I love I love the, that tournament. Love to watch it, and I hope he's in the mix. I hope Phil makes a run too. Phil, have did you see what he he's lost a ton of ton of weight? Um, yeah, he looked pretty good at Pebble Beach, you know. Yeah, Phil's slim, but he was good heavy. So we'll see if uh, you know some of those players they change their body weight, and uh, you know they don't don't play as well, but yeah. everybody's trying to rebuild their physique. You know, yeah. everybody's trying to hit a 340 yards yeah. and you got to get the most out of your body that you can. And I think Phil is finally realizing that, you know, maybe he ought to join the Bruce Kepkas and people like that, yeah. that uh, are training really hard and are uh, very muscular. He I, looks, I, I he, think that's he, the new way on tour. Sure. He looks good. He really looked good. And his comment was, I want to keep playing longer. You know, it's the Tom Brady mentality. He goes, I don't want to, I don't want to fade in the sunset. He goes, I still want to try to go out and compete. And he made a good run at Pebble Beach. So that's, it would be exciting to see him back in the hunt because you never know what Phil might do. And uh, that's what I love yeah. about watching him. So the PGA tour and television needs Phil and Tiger to contend because the public, the golfers like you and I, we love those guys. Oh, man, no no doubt about it. And, you know, I, I can remember when the changing of the guard, and every, nobody wants it to change. You know, when his Jack Nicklaus was fading away, and you didn't you didn't want to embrace any of these young people until they know that they're gone, and then they become the new heroes. It's funny how golf's like that. You just hang on to those guys that, are, that have been, uh, you know, Tiger's that new person, you know, for the last few years that, you know, he was the – Oh my gosh, you know, this young guy is killing everybody. He was amazing to watch, but now he's become that person that everybody seems to be pulling for and rooting for and wanting him to to continue to to give us some more magic and, and get some more wins. Everybody loves comeback and Tiger is on the comeback. So, you yeah. know, with the Masters, that was amazing last year. And I, I've been at the Masters when Tiger has come through. And you have never heard or not heard, you've never heard silence like there is at the Masters when Tiger's about ready to hit a shot. It's just, you you could hear a bird chirp from a mile away. Wow, that's so cool. That's so cool. Well, we'll talk a lot more golf because you'll be our, you're our resident golf expert here. And uh, we're getting some notification, by the way, uh, hardly. from our producer uh, that it's going to be time to shut down the show again for tonight. Man, that went fast. But uh, enjoy your uh, time down in Phoenix. Say hi to uh, Jay, Mo, and Rachel, and uh, safe travels. And we'll catch you next week, everybody, on Two Guys in a Conversation.